0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts and I'm your Bible teacher today. When it comes to living right, does it seem like you constantly try, but more often than not, you fail? Well, you know what, my friends? Today I'm preaching a sermon from 1 Peter chapter 1 that I've called When You Mess Up, Don't Give Up. Satan would want you to give up, he is the accuser, the Bible says and you know we all mess up from time to time and today i am going to take god's word in first peter chapter 1 and i am going to show you the secret to living right i'm going to show you how living right before god it's not sourced out of ourselves it's not from our own will or our own strength or even our own determination no my friends it is sourced From God himself and we're gonna see today how when we become born again we take on God's nature and now scripture calls us as obedient children and because of this friends you and I can live lives that are pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ I'm gonna show you how today in this sermon if you enjoy what you hear today i want to invite you to connect more so with me you can do that by visiting my website awakened you can read my bio you can read the story of how i went blind at the age of 38. you can also download my free mobile app awakened to grace and when you download that to your device sermons just like the one you're going to hear today Literally, hundreds upon hundreds of sermons are right at your fingertips, ready to help you grow spiritually. Lastly, I would love for you to connect with me through email. I love to hear from listeners. And when you take a moment to tell me who you are, where you're listening from, oh, I can't tell you how much it makes my day. I hear from listeners from everywhere and it thrills me when i do send me an email today tell me how i can pray for you tell me where you're listening from email me at pastor chad roberts at gmail.com pastor chad roberts at gmail.com well let's go to first peter one and let's grow together on this edition of awakened to grace 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to begin in verse number 13. Most of today is going to be in verse 13. Then I'll touch 14, 15, and 16. But primarily today, I want to speak on verse 13. I want to call today, when you mess up, don't give up. When you mess up, don't give up. How many of you know that when we do mess up, Satan is right there telling us, you might as well quit. You might as well stop pretending. You're never going to be what in your mind you think you'll be. You're never going to be that perfect Christian. You're never going to live up to those standards. You're never going to, you know, you look around, you see everybody else. You're never going to be them. It's not who you are. Anyone ever heard any lies like that from the enemy? And what happens is the moment, the very moment that we mess up, Satan is right there to capitalize on it. He's right there ready to say, then you might as well give up. But I'm going to show you today using the Word of God. Why? You better not give up. I'm going to show you today why when Satan tells you things like, you're never going to be that, you'll never be like him, you'll never match up to her, you'll never reach that maturity, or you'll never reach that level of growth, or you'll never be what in your mind you think you ought to. I'm going to show you how to reject all of that. I'm going to show you today why Satan uses a war of words in our lives. And when you understand the war of words that Satan wants to use against you and your family, then let me tell you, you can put on the full armor of God and you can combat every single lie from the enemy. So Peter is going to write to believers and... It's interesting what he writes throughout the entire letter. This whole first epistle is written to Christians who are exiled. They are actually suffering for their faith. And Peter writes many, many things to them. I want to particularly break down verse 13. And I want us to understand what I think the Holy Spirit would say to us on this day in our lives. Verse number 13, therefore, now let me qualify before, before I quote this. Uh, I don't know what translation you use, uh, you, but the way I normally quote scripture is in the Tri Translation. Anyone ever use the Tri Translation? I'll tell you what the Tri Translation is. I grew up on the King James Bible. And then I now preach pretty well exclusively from the English Standard Version, which is my favorite, and I'll show you why today. It's my absolute favorite Bible. But then I know many verses in NIV and sometimes even NLT. So when I quote Scripture, it comes out as a mixture of all three. So I don't want <laughs> if you're reading, scratching your head saying, what is he doing? Uh, it, it just, it all comes out, all right? The try translation, that, that's good. It's just a mixed bag, all right? So let me try. First of all, let me tell you the way I grew up on this verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Huh. Well, that makes me scratch my head. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? The NIV says, let your mind be alert. Okay, all right, that's really good, I like that. Let me tell you what the the ESV says. And this is why I love the ESV. This is why for me personally, I read, I meditate, I do my own Bible reading and I preach from the ESV because I think it is the best. translation. And let me tell you how it captures this verse. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to break this down today. What did Peter mean when he wrote, preparing your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. Let your mind be alert. What does it mean in the original language, which Peter would have written this in Greek? And when Peter's audience received this this uh, letter, this copy of this letter, when they would have read it out loud to their congregation, everyone there knew precisely what Peter had in mind when he wrote verse 13. And because of the difference in culture and translation, you and I have to kind of translate it a little bit. We have to get the word picture to really understand what Peter had in mind as the Holy Spirit moved upon him to pen these remarkable words. What does it mean? Well, how many of you know that the battle is the most fierce in our minds? How many of you would testify to that? How many of you know that where the war really rages is within the mind? And let me tell you the word picture that Peter uses. It's a military picture. It is, I mean, what what they would have known that he was painting the picture of was going into combat. And, of course, in first century Roman days, they would not have worn Levi's. They would not have worn khakis or slacks or the way you and I wear clothing today. What would they have worn? Long flowing robes. Well, if you were to go into combat battle in a long flowing robe, then what would most likely have been the outcome? You would have fallen. You would have tripped. So do you know what Peter has in mind? He has in mind that what they would do is because they had that thick leather belt of truth that was the central piece of all of their armor, you would take that long flowing robe and you would tuck it in to the belt of truth. And when you would tuck in that long flowing robe, it would prevent you from tripping. And do you know what Peter is saying to the church? He's saying you better tuck in whatever loose ends you have in your mind. You better tuck in those loose things. You better have your mind sharp. You better have your mind alert, as the NIV says. As the King James says, you better gird up. Tuck in the loins of your mind. Tuck in whatever is loose. Because do you know what Satan wants for your life more than anything? He wants you to trip. He wants you to stumble. He wants you to fall. He wants you to lose your testimony. He wants you to lose your joy. He wants you to lose your steadfastness. He wants you to lose your resolve. And what is it that so often trips us? How we think. Now, say amen if you're with me right now. We're going to break this down. Number one, let me just tell you how I used to study the Bible when I had eyesight. I would print a verse out, or either I would mark it in my Bible. But I would go word for word. So the way I would do it is I would underline or I would circle the word, therefore. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the scriptures, that means a transition is taking place. That means that the verses above it are critical and they are so important to whatever the argument is that the writer is now going to write. You have to go back and you have to understand what's been said to understand what is now coming. It's a transition. So what I would do is I would circle the word, therefore, and then I would go up and I would begin to look for how he's building his argument. So if I am to prepare my mind for action, then my question is, why? What has just been said that is so critical that it causes me to change a behavior in my life? So then what I would do is I would go up and I would find things like, okay, the Lord has caused me to be born again. I'm born again to a living hope, verse 3. I am kept by the power of God through faith, verse 5. I have an inheritance that's uh, indestructible, undefiled, reserved in heaven. It's never fading away. Oh, but here, if necessary... I may be grieved by various trials so that the testing of my faith may prove that which is more precious than gold being refined. So what I would do is I would circle, therefore, and i draw an arrow. Why do I need to prepare my mind for action? Because I may be grieved by various trials. My faith may very well be tested. God has purpose in my pain. God has purpose in my trials. God has purpose in what I suffer in this life. Anybody with me right now? So what I want to do is I want to link the scriptures. I don't want to cherry pick one verse. No, scripture is line upon line, precept upon precept. And when you study the Bible slowly... And when you go in order, it's like a puzzle piece all fitting together. Am I making sense to anyone? Therefore, there's my transition. So because I'm going to go through trials, because my faith is going to be tested, because the Lord is near me and with me, because I'm going to be on a battlefield, okay. Now, what's the instruction? Then prepare your minds for action. Next, I want you to circle that word preparing. Now, isn't that interesting? Do you know why I love that word preparing? I think sometimes we think that spiritual growth is simply automatic. And it's not. You know, when you're a baby and you grow, when you're a young child and you grow, growth is automatic. My little boys right now, I keep pushing their heads down, saying, stop growing. And it tickles them. (laughs) They'll wake up and I'll go, oh, you grew last night. I can tell. (laughs) Growth is automatic. But how many of you know after you finish school and you become an adult and teachers aren't pushing you, parents aren't pushing you, how many of you know you don't just grow anymore, do you? Unless we grow this way. (laughs) Sometimes that happens, but we're done growing unless we make it priority, unless we are intentional about growing. The same is true spiritually. Do you know that you should never stop growing spiritually? Did you know that? I don't care how many decades you've been saved. I don't care. I, listen, no matter what your past, your background, you should never stop growing. Because do you know what the goal is? Ephesians chapter 4 says, we are to grow to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. That's a lifetime of growth right there. You should never stop growing. So if you are going to grow intentionally... That's why I like this word, preparing. I have to prepare for growth. I have to prepare to, to, uh, listen, I I don't want to just chase the wind spiritually. No, what do I want to do? I want to systematically grow in my faith. There may be areas right now that the Lord wants to grow you in. And the Lord will show you that. Some people could grow in kindness. Some people could grow in faith. Some people could grow in patience. Some people could grow in joy. Some people could grow in peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? You should never stop growing. And if we're going to grow the way we ought to, then we have to prepare our minds. Preparing. What an all-important word. Then, of course, the central theme of this verse is our mind, the way that you and I think. And you know why? Again, I love this word prepare. Do you know that you do not just automatically think right thoughts? Did you know that? And see, some of you precious people, some of you don't feel like you're spiritual because you don't always think spiritual thoughts. And you don't feel like you're a person of faith because you don't feel like you measure up. But let me, let me tell you something. You don't automatically do it. You have to grow into it. You have to be intentional about it. See, that's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, if there is anything that's honorable, if there's anything that is worthy of praise, if anything is of excellence, if anything is pure, if anything is lovely, and he has this big list, and then he, 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 he ends it by saying this, think on these Things. That's a command in Scripture. What does Scripture say? Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't just automatically think godly. You have to prepare your mind to think godly. You have to be intentional about what you think. And when sinful thoughts come and tempting thoughts come and selfish thoughts come and negative thoughts. Oh, am I preaching to anybody today? When negative thoughts come and, and lies from there. No, you have to take that captive to the obedience of Jesus. And what are you doing when you do that? You're preparing your minds for action. You're on the battlefield, and Satan tries to shoot these fiery arrows at your mind, and he tries to tell you you're not good enough, and he tries to tell you you don't measure up, and he tries to tell you that you'll never be a spiritual person. No, you take it captive to the obedience of Jesus, and that's where you go, No, who I am is who God says I am. And listen, you and I have to be careful that we don't settle and go, Well, my mama was negative, and that's why I'm negative. My dad was critical, that's why I'm so critical. No, my friends, you're a new creation in Christ. You're not your mama, you're not your daddy, you're a new creation in Christ, amen? So, what's the command? Think like a believer. You're not an old sinner. You're now a saint. Why? Because of the righteousness of God. You can think different today. You don't have to be bound in negativity. You don't have to be that sharp, critical person that you used to be. No, Christ can set you free from those things. But what do you have to do? You got to put the work in. You got to prepare your mind for The battle. And oh, I like this word, action. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that a good word? Some of us just aren't in the battle today. We're swinging from monkey bars, and we're not on the battlefield. Well, let me tell you, my friends, this is a war. It is a war. Let me tell you what we're going to focus on Saturday night in the prayer service for the nation. Behind every headline rages a spiritual war. Behind every headline. So you and I cannot get entangled in all of these quarrels and arguments. Amen. You're sitting at Thanksgiving with your family and politics comes up. Isn't that a fun time? Oh, don't entangle yourself. I'm not saying don't know the issues. I'm not even saying don't have logical thoughts. And listen, I mean, I know for myself, I have very strong views and very strong opinions. I want to be a persuasive person. I want to be able to I want to be able to sit with somebody who sharply disagrees with me and I want to have the skill to be able to say explain to me why you think that and then I want to have the skill to be able to say okay I can see what you're saying but have you thought of it from this angle have you looked at it like this are you thinking like this i want to persuade i want to be able to to uh, Rightly, have civil conversations. But let me tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to get sidetracked, quarrel, and argue, and get all entangled in all of this what is behind the headlines, this spiritual war. Can we say amen today? Preparing our minds for the battle. Preparing for action. Tuck in those loose ends. Don't let things like politics trip you. Don't let things like temptation trip you. Don't let things like negativity trip you. Don't let a critical tongue or a critical heart or spirit trip you. Tuck in those loose ends. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, that's, that's a great verse, isn't it? <laughs> now let's unpack the last of it here. Set your hope. Hmm. Set your hope. Now, I like that. Set your hope. It makes me think of Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You know what I hear in that verse? Again, I hear intentionality. You have to be intentional about your spiritual growth. Just like right now, you've carved out time out of your busy schedule to come to the house of God, to worship the Lord, and to learn from His Word. You've taken time. Those of you watching online, wherever you are, you've taken time to learn from God's Word today. Those listening on other platforms, you've taken the time. To hear God's word taught. Preparing your minds, that's action. Being sober minded, I skipped that little part, I apologize. What does he mean by being sober minded? Serious. There is a seriousness to your faith. It's not haphazard, it's not when I get around to it, it's certainly not a hobby. If you looked at your spiritual life, your spiritual growth, Would you say it's more of a hobby? I do the parts I enjoy. I do it when I get around to it. I do it if there's time. I do it if I feel or I get something out of it, if there's a benefit for me. Or are you sober-minded? There's a seriousness to your faith. There is a resolve to your faith. I'm, sorry. I'm just going to amen that. That's a good word right there. Amen, Chad. Boy, you're on it today, bro. Oh, yeah, preach it. I'll encourage myself. I sober-minded. Set your hope. Now, again, look at the pattern of intentionality. I'm going to prepare my mind. I'm sober-minded. I'm seriousness in my faith, and now I'm going to set my hope. It's not wishy-washy. My faith is not a seesaw. I'm not up and then I'm way down. I'm not swinging wildly. Remember that sermon a few weeks ago we talked about being a pendulum? I'm not going to swing wildly. I'm not going to have these massive swings where I'm high and I'm low and I'm in and I'm out. No. I'm sober-minded. I've set my hope, my resolve is And do you remember, I always teach this. Do you remember what the word hope means in the Bible? It's not our English hope as in cross my fingers. Oh, I hope so. Oh, I hope my faith is real. I hope heaven is real. I hope Jesus, I hope I'm born again. No, it's not a cross your fingers wishful thinking. No. The word hope in the Bible literally means a confidence. It is a confident expectation. And Peter writes to these Christians who their world is flipped upside down. They've left their homes. They've left their families. They've left their jobs and their careers. And now they're living in exile and they're refugees and their world is flipped upside down. And Peter says, set your confidence Set your hope, set your expectations on the coming of Jesus. You and I may not be in exile right now, but your world may be flipped upside down. Your marriage may be upside down. Your health may be upside down. Your finances may be upside down. Your family may be in great turmoil today. Let me give you this word. Set your confidence in Jesus. Not in yourself. Not in a preacher. Not in the church. Not in your employment. Set your hope in Jesus. Amen. Can you see, oh, my precious friends, can you see how this brings stability to our lives? Can you see rather than being a seesaw and being all over the place and being emotional about everything? No, this just saddles me. My mind is prepared for the battle. I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised when fiery arrows begin to fly. My mind is prepared for battle. My faith is serious. I'm sober minded. It's not a hobby to me. I am serious about following Jesus. And what's the result of it? My hope is steadfast. I have a confidence that the kingdom of darkness cannot shake no matter how hard it tries. Now, verse 14 Watch this. As obedient children. Now that is a massive statement. This is one I would circle. When I would study the Bible with eyesight, so this would stand out, so I would circle that massively. Ooh, as obedient children. Now let me come back to that in a moment. Not conforming to your past lifestyle is basically what it's saying. I believe the ESV says not conforming to your former passions that you once had in your ignorance. The King James says not conforming to your lust of your past. uh, I think the NLT says not sloping back. In other words, don't go back to your old lifestyle. Don't go back to your old habits. Why? Because here's what happens. Now say amen if you're with me. People get serious with the Lord... They start to feel that fire of God within them. And then they get serious about reading their Bible. They get serious about a church. And they get serious about worshiping God. They get serious about spending time with God. And all of a sudden, spiritual development begins to formulate. As Scripture says, Christ is formed in you, which is your hope of glory. And then what happens? Satan attacks them. The rug comes out from under them. And all of a sudden, following Jesus gets really hard. Being serious, being sober minded becomes really tough. And then all of a sudden, do you know what the temptation is? To go back to your old ways, to go back to that negativity. To go back to that critical heart, to go back to that temptation, to go back to that affair, to go back to that addiction, to go back to that laziness, to go back to those distractions. The temptation is to go back. So, what does Peter write? Because your mind is prepared for action, because you're on the battlefield because you're serious in your faith, because you have resolved, you've set your hope fully. Oh, I like that word, fully. You have cut every string to this world. You're all in on God. You're all in on your faith. Because you've done this, now as obedient children, don't go back to your old ways. Why? Why? Because as he who has called you is holy, so you ought to be in all of your conduct. In other words, the way you are at church is how you should be at work. The way you are at church is how you definitely ought to be at home. In all of your conduct. In the way you think, in the way you feel, in the way you talk. In your relationships. Be holy. Now... Let me end with this great thought. When, when the Bible says, be holy for God is holy, verse 15 and 16, do you really think you can do that? <laughs> if you're like me, I just slump my shoulders a little bit. Holiness? Me? I know the faults I think. Oh, but God says take them captive. I know the way I feel sometimes. Oh, but no, God says I'm holy. Then... How do I become holy? If I'm to be holy in all my conduct, how could I ever do that? Well, do you remember what we said? We circle words and then we draw arrows. Go back to verse 2. Do you know what the Bible says about our salvation? (laughs) This is so beautiful. It's by the foreknowledge of God. It's by the foreknowledge of God the Father. It's by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And it's to the obedience of Jesus. Verse number 3, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Verses 4 or 5 were kept by the power of God. Further down it says, now concerning this great salvation. Do you know why you can be holy, my friends? It's because it's not sourced out of you. It's sourced out of God. And do you know what? Now, what do we say? This all important phrase, as obedient children. Do you know why that's so big? Because when you're... How many of you know your children are just like you, aren't they? They got your nature. They've got your traits. You know what? If you're born again today... Guess whose nature you now have? God the Father. You're born again. Verse 3. To a living hope. That means I don't have to be who I once was. That's why salvation is not just praying a prayer. It's a transformation of my nature. I've now become a divine partaker of the nature of God. Friends, that means holiness is within us. That's why you can say no to that addiction. You can. You can. You know why? Because you're now an obedient children. You can act just like God. Because you're born of him. Hallelujah. Now, can you see how it all just fits? Therefore, based on everything that was just said, I'm preparing my mind for the battle. Why? Because the battle is either won or lost in the mind. Do you realize? Let me just say this and then I'm done. You realize when Goliath faced Israel for 40 days, the Bible says he railed against God in Israel. You know what that battle was? It was a war of words. Not a spear was thrown, not a javelin was thrown, not a sword was thrust. All Goliath did is he won the war with his words until that little boy David showed up And said, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? And then the war was over. Elijah. Mount Carmel. Fire from heaven. And then Jezebel sent word. I'm going to kill you. And what was it? A war of words. Who's lying to you today? What's Satan saying to you that it's shut your faith down? What is Satan saying to you that it's paralyzed your marriage? What's Satan saying to you that it's paralyzed your faith? Know, my friends, what it is is a war of words. And I'm telling you, on the authority of Scripture today, prepare your mind for the battle. You are more than an overcomer. You're more. You're more. Don't take it. Don't take it. Don't let Satan run all over your family. And for some of you, I say lovingly, but I say pastorally, get off the monkey bars. Quit playing church. Hallelujah. Quit playing church. Get off the merry-go-round quit going down the slides and put on the armor of God and engage in this battle with us amen preparing our minds for action why because there's a resolve about us, we've set our hope fully on the coming of Jesus so what do we do as obedient children, we're not not fake we're not trying to muster up something that's not there, no We have God's very nature within us. So what's the conclusion? Then be holy. Don't go back to your old ways. You're better than that. You're born again now. Amen. Can we just thank God for his word today? Amen. It's so full. It's so full. It's so powerful. It's alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.